I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Electric Sisterhood, and On Mystery Hand proudly present No Points, No Ricks, The World's J-Pop and Alternative Hotspot. and wenches, welcome to episode 299 of No Borders, No Race. I am your King Davy Duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. And we are just one episode away from episode 300, a big milestone here on No Borders, No Race. Of course, I did start this podcast continuation of my college radio gig with episode zero, so uh, technically, this one is episode 300. So, uh, yay! I'm actually in the midst right now of having some of our good friends on this upcoming podcast episode, but we are still working on a good time where we can all get together to record it, which is why I'm going to tell you all right now that episode 300 will more than likely be slightly delayed. I know I'm the kind of guy who will sometimes just half-ass and program just to get something out, but a 300th episode is nothing to half-ass over. I want to get it right. And if it means having to delay it, I'll do just that. And I hope you will all understand and are patient for when it does come out. I will say that it'll arrive before I go to Japan. That's as much of a guarantee as I can give. But until then, we have today's episode to work on. And on today's No Borders, No Race, Frank is back in town and Kamala Khan enters the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then... Two icons head off into space and get a glimpse of their future. But first, let's start today's playlist. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. We're starting things off with those masters of Japanese metal and visual K, During Grey. They have just unleashed a brand new album called Phalaris, which is something of a callback from their Withering to Death era, and I actually fucking dig it. Tattooed on their necks, here's During Grey with 13. Only why I have to keep it skeleton. Choose 
It's the Mike Rogers Show coming to you live from Tokyo, Japan, a year-end special, and I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold, and you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese, uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow. Maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show. Yes! Tune in! We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool. And you can hear more good songs just like this. She 
The Pinballs with Way of Harukaze. This version shows up on their most recent live album, 15th Anniversary One Man Go Back to Zero. A good record to give you an idea of the energy the pinballs bring to their shows. And speaking of concerts, this past March, a brand new music venue opened just a stone's throw away from my castle Roadrunner. I'm all the more happy to see new music venues being opened here, as the COVID pandemic took away quite a few big namesakes like Great Scott and Thunder Road. So the more places like this open, the stronger the Boston music scene will become. There's also the MGM Music Hall that's due to open, I believe, in September, and there's actual work being done to bring back Great Scott at a former Regina Pizzeria location. But... Let's go back to talking about Roadrunner, which I finally went to a couple of weeks back. So I walk into the new venue, and I am instantly in awe of it. The best way I can describe it is it's a combination of the Sinclair in Cambridge and Boston's House of Blues location. It's two-floor setup with a wraparound balcony very much reminded me of the Sinclair, but the size of the place is what made me think of House of Blues. Roadrunner is wide. And I mean wide. The stage is longer, the pit is bigger, and the balcony wraps around the venue like a sleeping anaconda. Trust me, like you'll understand what I mean if you ever visit it and see for yourself. So it's a nice size, but as you know, a big size venue doesn't automatically mean great acoustics. Fortunately, I could hear every vocal and instrument in this place perfectly. Again, the Sinclair comes to mind when I think of its acoustics. In fact, I'll even go so far as to say that Roadrunner is a supersized Sinclair. Perfect sound, but in a more jumbo setting. And I feel like I went to the right kind of show to see just how good it sounds in there, as I bore witness to, for the sixth time, Frank Turner in The Sleeping Souls. Now, the thing about Frank Turner is that when you go see him live, you'll leave with maybe one or two band discoveries that'll pique your interest. And at this gig, I got three acts that really grabbed my attention. The first act is the one that's brand new to the world of punk rock, Pet Needs. Pet Needs had the fortunate luck of having Frank Turner mix and master their debut album, Fractured Party Music, which came out last year. And let me tell you, they got a hell of a spark. First band on, and they already got the crowd pumped and moving about crazily. They're also pretty funny as they cracked jokes with the crowd and told stories about how Americans are so in awe of England's double-decker buses. They're a great band, and I'm hoping that great things come from them in the near future. After Pet Needs was The Bronx, who this year celebrate their 20th anniversary as a band. They also have with them quite the interesting drummer in the form of Joey Castillo, who used to be the drummer for Queens of the Stone Age, hence why they came out to their deep-cut Spiders and Vingaroons, and they managed to get the first circle pit of the night to happen. Frontman Matt Cotran even got into the pit and performed while people just bumped and marched into him, yet he, like all of us, were having the time of our lives. So the Bronx... Good show. You got me interested in looking up your stuff. Then there was Avail, who will be celebrating their 35th anniversary next year. And folks, 
I've never seen a punk act have a hype man on stage until I saw Avail perform. He goes by the name Bobo Butler, I believe that's how he pronounces his name, and his job is to get the crowd going. Sometimes he'll do some backing roars or screams, but most of the time he's going around dancing, marching, and being an all-around goofball. He was hugely entertaining, and the band themselves was great too. Apparently, Frank wanted to have Avail on the bill because when they did a reunion tour in 2019, Frank couldn't go because it was being held right when he was supposed to wed his wife. He asked her if he could go, and the wife rightfully responded, quote, Go fuck yourself. You'll see them live another time. And she was right. And they were terrific to watch live. Lastly, there's Frank Turner and The Sleeping Souls. And I have spoken many times about how amazing Frank Turner is live. In fact, I've said just about everything I could about Frank in past episodes of this podcast. But since it's been a while since I last talked about him live, I'll put it like this. No one puts on a show like Frank Turner. When I first saw him live in 2013, I told myself that I would go see him live every time he came to town. And I have kept my word in that regards. The energy... The audience participation and the mood of the show was absolute perfection. I cannot stress just how much of a religious experience it is seeing Frank Turner live. Ironic, considering that he's an atheist. If Nick Cave's concerts is the one that casts the demons out, then Frank's shows are the ones that bring the angels in. So yeah... It was a terrific show held in a new venue that felt like it had just had its proper christening. Live shows may have returned last year, but I feel like having Frank Turner back in town was the true sign that the concert scene is finally back and in full force. And I want to give a big shout out to the Barricade Buddies, Sylvan, Corey, Juliet, the whole gang. These are a group of friends who always come together when Frank or any band associated with Frank hits the New England area. I first met Sylvain back in 2016 at a Skinny Lister gig, and I always chat and hang with him whenever our paths cross at a show we're at. All in all, Frank Turner, The Sleeping Souls, Avail, The Bronx, and Pet Needs put on an awesome show in what may now be my new favorite music venue around here, Roadrunner. So, listeners, let me introduce you to the sounds of Pet Needs. This comes from Fractured Party Music, and they do have a new album arriving possibly later this year. When I bought their album from them, I asked the boys which song I should play here to give you all a good idea of what you can expect from them. And this is what Pet Needs chose. A little tribute to the author of the book, Everyone I Have Ever Slept With. This is Tracy Enum's Bed. I saw you walking over with your monsters, Benzers, bag up all the pockets with two icons. I'm sure you remember, we're not allowed nice things, riches and bottles of cider. I swore in 17 that I would never sell out, I mean, I mean it. Obviously, unless the money offered me the opportunity and then I take it. I'm not an idiot. It's like Tracy Evans' bed in my head. Kind of creative, but mainly just me. Oh, my God. 
everybody. This is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them... Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time.
throwback from Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra. That was Shippu no Ken, Lightning Sword, from their 2009 album, Paradise Blue. Tokyo Scott has gotten more into the world of Tokusatsu series as of late, with their theme song contribution to the popular series Kamen Rider Saber. When one Marvel TV miniseries finishes, another is raring to start. I really enjoyed Moon Knight, with its quirkiness making the overall presentation stand out from anything else. But out of all of the Marvel TV series that were announced, nothing excited me more than Miss Marvel. I read the Kamala Khan comics when they were first coming out and was immensely impressed with her story and the adventures she went on. It also put a great spotlight on the struggles of being a Muslim American in this current environment. As it did its best to show off just how these problems Kamala experienced can actually happen here in the streets of America. Now, let me first state this about Miss Marvel. I'm a little disappointed with the way it changed her origin story. In the original comic, Kamala gains her powers thanks to the Terrigan Mists being released, with them finally being unleashed after a disastrous high school party. It all tied in nicely to not just Kamala unleashing her rebellious phase, but it also managed to focus nicely on the struggles of growing up under a family raised under Islam. Her powers are also different in the comic, with her ability to morph her body in ways that are reminiscent of either Ant-Man or even Mr. Fantastic. But in the Disney Plus version, all that changes. Here, Kamala gains her powers from a magical bangle, and it's not party where the powers get unleashed, it's at an Avengers convention. There are still the rebellious elements that Kamala showcases when she lashes out at her parents, who try to tie her down to their rules while her brother gets a pass on everything. But I feel like something got lost in this adaptation due to how the powers first spill out. And unfortunately, Kamala can't morph her body here. Instead, the bangle gives her the ability to form weapons or grab hold onto things in a way that's very Green Lantern-ish. It's a little sad seeing these changes made to Miss Marvel, but I do kind of get why they might have to have done this. We all remember how strange the body-stretching techniques looked in the first two Fantastic Four movies. But then again, CGI has evolved greatly, so they should have at least tried to do it here. However, despite these big changes, what matters most is the character of Kamala Khan, who is played here by Iman Vellani. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And Vellani plays her perfectly. She exhumes angsty teenager vibes in her performance, with her personality being very reminiscent of Maylin from Turning Red, or even Katie from The Mitchells vs. The Machines. She's a go-getter with her only wall being her overly protective parents. While her Muslim identity plays a role here in Miss Marvel, most of the moments involving the Islam faith's evolution over the years is shown more through Kamala's friend Nakia, played terrifically by Yasmin Fletcher. Matt Lintz also does a good job here as Kamala's best friend Bruno, who may have plenty in common with the male besties of certain John Hughes movies. As for its story... Miss Marvel is, unfortunately, pretty standard. I'm three episodes in as of this recording, and thus far the show has been very good, but nothing mind-blowing like Moon Knight or Loki. But as a TV miniseries, Miss Marvel has been pretty entertaining. It's funny when it wants to be, 
and knows when to deliver strong heartfelt moments that feel more real than Hollywoodized. When it comes to the action sequences, well, they're not quite as bombastic as what was seen in stuff like Hawkeye or even the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They seem a tad more comedic, especially when the powers are first unleashed at the convention, or even when Kamala saves a young boy at an Eid event. But perhaps they're saving the bigger and more serious fights for later on in the series. For now, Miss Marvel has been an okay watch. It doesn't do much to think outside the box. Ironic considering Kamala Khan's introduction to the Marvel world was considered revolutionary at the time. I'm sure it'll pick up later on, but for now, Miss Marvel hasn't reached the level of greatness its comic book counterpart accomplished many years back. Nekritaki are back with a new album called Memories 2, a sequel to their 2019 release. From that album is Maho Densha to Kiraicha.
passion, freedom, knowledge. The Abstract Japan Podcast at abstractjapan.com. Uninvited, the title track from their debut EP that's arriving on July 15th. The record was mixed by Tim Palmer, who's had a hand in making the likes of Robert Plant, Ozzy Osbourne, and David Bowie's Tin Machine side project sound just a little bit more powerful. Go grab a cup of chowder. You know what? That hurts saying it. Fuck it. It's time for the B-Town Sampler. So a little story here. Back in 2014, myself and BC Amanda were on our way to a Black Keys concert when we started chatting with some fellow concert goers. I told them I did a music podcast and they told me they had a band. And that band was called Wunderbar. And back then I did play them and enjoyed what they were making. Years later, Wunderbar are still kicking ass and taking names. 
even opening for Beck when Elite Four Derek and I saw him at the Pavilion in 2018, and their sound has evolved spectacularly. Vunderbar have just released a new album called Devil for the Fire, and from that release is The Glow. got your pop culture reactions and news over at leaguepodcast.com the league of ordinary gentlemen comic book podcast is more than just comic check us out wherever you get your podcast on social at leak podcast Oh, oh, oh. 
The first full album with the returning Lisa. Things have been somewhat quiet on the M Flow front, but we do know that Verbal will be reuniting with his Teriyaki Boys crew this year, while DJ Taku has been doing stuff behind the scenes with his Block.FM radio station. When Beavis and Butthead first came out, many called it a celebration of idiocy, but perhaps that really wasn't the case. If anything, Beavis and Butthead represented the stupid part of ourselves that laughed at just about anything suggestive or violent. The big thing about these two creations of Mike Judge is the fact that these residents of Highland, Texas aren't the biggest idiots on the show. In fact, it's everyone else surrounding them. Minus Daria, who is a legit smarty pants. I bring this up because these two fart knockers have a brand new movie, which ties into their new revival series. Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe follows the duo as they travel to space after causing chaos at a science fair. As one can imagine, things don't go as planned, with one astronaut, Serena, whom the duo thinks wants to score with them, going so far as to push him into the nothingness of outer space. However, Beavis and Butthead get sucked into a wormhole and brought to modern-day Texas. 
What follows is a prime example of stupidity being the only thing that lasts forever. Sure, we all learn to do our best to evolve as human beings, but there's always that one idiot who drags us back down to their level. And in Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, there are two of them. And the thing about Beavis and Butthead is they know what they like, they know what they want, and they go out of their way to get it. And even if they fail, they'll try again some other day. Because they're dumb. However, it's the people that surround them that misunderstand their intentions that wind up being the bigger morons. It starts with a judge sentencing these two to space camp, who claims, oh, these children are just misguided. Perhaps if we surround them with some intelligent things, they too will be intelligent. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. And then NASA sees them playing with a model entry peripheral in a sexual manner that makes them think, hey, they're worthy to go into space. Then, when they come back to Earth through the wormhole, the U.S. government think their appearance is the greatest threat to the country. Serena, now deep into politics, thinks their appearance is a threat to their career. It's basically one misunderstanding after another that causes a domino effect of stupidity. And these so-called smart people can only blame themselves for giving opportunities to two horny, stupid teens. And you know what? It is the funniest thing I've watched all year. Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe may in fact be the funniest animated movie I've ever watched. Even topping Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were-Rabbit and even the Konosuba film. Because like the Jackass movies, they keep topping their stupidity in a brilliant manner. Throughout all 85 minutes of it, I was laughing my ass off. From the NASA trading to learning how to pay with smartphones, every bit in this film showcases this stupid duo doing the funniest shit they've probably ever done. While it's hard to pick the best moment, the part where Beavis' butthead learn about white privilege is... I can't spoil it. It's all just too brilliant. And it's weird calling Beavis and Butthead brilliant, but there's no other word to describe it. Mike Judge has once again written a brilliant film about the impurity of stupidity. Dare I say, it even goes so far as to have Beavis grow a little bit, and I don't mean in his pants. I won't say what happens, but if you've ever seen a certain Spike Jones movie, you'll get a good idea. I'm happy that Beavis and Butthead are back, and this movie is the perfect way to begin its revival. You can watch Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe on Paramount+, Plus, where you can now also watch every episode of the original MTV cartoon, fully remastered, and with all of the music videos back in check. Do not be a dillweed and give what might be this year's cinematic highlight your attention. Now, with Beavis and Butthead returning, one hopes that they'll provide commentary for modern music videos. One video in particular that I think they'd get a kick out of would be a recent one from Rammstein. Personally, I think they'd be fans. Rammstein are back with a new album called Zeit, and they're finally coming to America this fall. 
AFLM, John Star and I have had our tickets for nearly three years to this, and we are not missing out. From Zeit, here's Rammstein with Zigzag. Anything good? Contents of automobile trunk, back seat, and glove box unsorted. Mmm. Riveting. But this auction win is more than it seems. A deranged man tried to outbid me. He confronted me afterwards. That box you bought? Burn it if you know what's good for you. He who is not to be named killed those boys, and it's my fault. Just like he's gonna kill you. To solve the paranormal mystery she's uncovered. 
Estelle assembles an unlikely crew of curiosity seekers. Moses Cubbenfield, a renowned mountain man author. Estelle, ma'am, I, I, I promise that if you are trying to win me over, the odds are good, but the goods are. Cherry Featherbottom, a flapper who's more than she seems. I'm gonna just be upstairs cleaning my gun. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? <laughs> Oswald Sinclair, Hobo King. That's that, not jam. That is definitely the opposite of jam. That is people jam. Anjana Ramakrishnan, Estelle's partner in a cult adventure. You summoned a demon and you don't remember it, darling. No firearms. Not right now. And Kenneth Rogers, a notorious gambler. I can play cards any old day, but chicken lunch at Thorpe Manor? Mm-mm. That sounds like a mighty fine time, I tell you what. Together, they encounter monsters above and below, and an unholy conspiracy that threatens to shred their sanity to tatters. This is startling and strange, but darling, we might be onto something here. This is why we came to Arkham, after all. Not for murderous grave robbers and disappearing children. The Necronomicon. Whatever your intent with this book, I caution you and say with all certainty, you will find more danger than answers. You brought me back. You, you are brought me back. Brought you back from what? This is not our world. This is not our world at all. When the dance is done and his infernal song rings loudest, there will be no lewd carnality denied to us. You leap onto this thing's back and bury your hatchet in its neck. He howls. I will eat you. Dear Lord, what happened to you? It's t- take too long to explain. We gotta get to uh, get to the hospital. I'll tell you what right now, we, we can't go to the police with this. Yeah, I suspect you're right. They'll put us in the sanitarium. I... The air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. In this program, our cast actually lives the terror. It's an improvised audio drama that uses Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and the wits of our players to weave these uncanny tales. This is a cinematic radio play where anything can happen, and these poor souls never know what's going to crawl out of the darkness. Discover the terrible secret of Lot X, the entire second series now available on your favorite podcast player. Just search for The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program or unlock all our secrets at CthulhuMystery.com.
their long out of print debut EP, Hunting, that was The Predators with Mustang Hippie. The supergroup consists of vocalist guitarist Sawao Yamanaka from The Pillows, bassist Jiro from Glay, and at the time of this record, drummer Shinpei Nakayama from Straightener. Shinpei left the group back in 2010 and was replaced by L Garden's Hirotaka Takahashi. So, ima minasan, konshu no nihongo yoyaku no jikan desu. Sa ikoze! Bostani, Rodwana to iu atarashi kansoto kaijo ga takimashita. Sekai saiko no musician ga jibun tachi no soundo o hiro suro no ni saitekina basho desu. Senjitsu, Rodwana de Frankatana o mimashita. Sono onkyo ga dole hodo subarashi kao taiken shimashita. Rodrano wa Bostono Okiniri no Konstoto Kaijo ni naro de show. Atarashi Marvel TV series Miss Marvel wa Konana Story o Kilimashita. Kerakota wa Subarashi desuka Monogatari wa Geno manga kara Okiku kawate imas. Sore zore no Bamen wa Yoi desuka. Zentai to shite mismavo wa subete ga suburashiku egaka reta toki ni nomi miru ni kachi ga arimasu. Saigo ni Beavis and Butthead ga atarashi ega to natte modotte kimashita. Motto mo suburashi tokoro de orokasa o hyogen shite imasu. Hageshiku warai sugite Nodo ga itaku narimashita. Kore made ni tsukurareta motomo omoshiroi animation ega o ominogashinaku. My thanks again to Mikio Hattori Sensei of the Cultural Exchange Initiative. Remember, if you'd like to know more information on the CEI, be sure to visit their website at ceinitiative.org. You can also follow CE Initiative on Instagram and Facebook. Right now, we're gonna spin the latest from J pop trio Tricell. This song serves as the opening theme to this season's Aharansan wa Hakaranai. And man, for a goofy anime, and it did things unpredictably perfect. Give it a watch and you'll see what I mean. Here are Tricell with Hanaranai Kyori. <laughs>
識にねえ近づきじゃないってこの胸のドキドキキッカーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバーはメイクバー
Solero with Love and Addiction. The Britain-based singer will be releasing their latest album, Metamorphosis, on July 15th, and will be playing a release show on July 13th at Dublin Castle in Camden, London. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders, No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos from the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards@bostonbashbrigade.com. Like us on Facebook.com slash Boston Bash Brigade and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me, your King Baby Duck, on Twitter, the J-Pop, Video Games, Anime, Amino Pages, Instagram, and Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at BlackCompat.com, Twitch.tv slash BlackCompat, and YouTube.com slash BlackCompat. Promotional consideration provided for this week's tracks from The Cowdery and Grace Solero, made possible by Shameless Promotion PR, and a very special thank you to Seal Party for their contribution to Shameless Tuesdays. And a shout-out to Pet Needs for letting us spin something from their debut record. Like I said, they've got something new coming this year, so please keep your eyes and ears peeled. Episode 300 will be coming soon. It won't be in two weeks, but I promise it'll arrive before I head to Japan. We're ending today's show with some brand spanking new Soil and Pimp Sessions, the hardest working jazz band in the world. They just dropped a brand new album called Lost in Tokyo, and from that release is Todoroki. And until next time, this is your King Baby Duck, reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard, but it sure helps.
guys, this is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com, CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bash Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can.